morning, Chicago Bible Fellowship. Give our drama team a hand. And that was a uh, treat, Jakari. I was not expecting that. Um, <laughs> I don't need to say a word. If his testimony didn't speak to you this morning, I was something wrong with you. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for that. I was definitely encouraged. I'd ask that you stand with me if you're able. I'll be reading from the first chapter of John, starting at verse 35. And once I get there, the text reads as follows. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. For those of you all that are members here at Chicago and Bible Fellowship, you know that I read that particular scripture every time I speak because it helps to give me focus. It helps me to understand that it's not about me, that it's all about Jesus. That everything that's said here in this pulpit is to point the way to the Savior. And you see, John didn't get it mixed up. He understood that his whole life was to prepare the way for the Savior, and the disciples followed Jesus as a result of John's direction. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I thank you for your grace and your mercy, the privilege that we have to open your word and allow it to speak to us. I pray that your spirit will be present in this place this morning, that your word will come forth with great power and conviction, and lives will be changed as a result of what you have to say through me here today. May you increase while I decrease. In the precious name of Jesus, let the church say, Amen. Amen. You know, we live here in Chicago, and you know the weather can be kind of fickle, right? It can be kind of up and down. And on any given day, you could go from 70 degrees one day. The next day, we could be hit with a snowstorm, and then we got three feet of snow. That's happened in Chicago before. The weather. So we've come accustomed, those that have resided in Chicago for most of their lives, we kind of used to that. So we kind of prepare for the storm because the storms of, can come at any given time. We don't know when it's going to be, but we know that the storms will come. Amen. So we've learned to prepare. In the same way, we should prepare for the storms of life. We know that the storms of life will hit us in the forms of health issues. How many of us are dealing with some health issues? The storms of life may come in terms of finances. Storms of life may come in terms of marital issues. My wife told me the other day, she said, marriage is hard. I looked at her, I said, well, shut your mouth. What you talking about? You married to me. She said, marriage is tough. It ain't for no punks. But storms may come in terms of your marriage. Storms may come in terms of your work uh, uh, life. Storms may come in terms of with your children. We know that those storms will come, and then in some cases, the storms can beat you up real bad, right? 
They could beat you up real bad, and sometimes you could find yourself where your back is against the wall. And here's the thing. You could be getting hit with multiple storms at one time. And you find yourself with your back against the wall, and you swinging. you like the homegirl in the neighborhood. you just swinging, trying to get out of that thing. And you getting beat up. And I've been there. I've been there because then here's the thing. Sometimes if you don't respond the right way, it could take you to a very dark place. And you could, you, you could, Satan can begin to play with your mind and tell you things like, hey, nobody cares. This storm is never going to end. Where's God? And then you find yourself where you're crying out to God in prayer. And here's the thing. Not only is God not taking you out of the storm and answering your prayer, you're going to feel as if God is not even listening to you. What do you do in those times, saints? What do you do? And it's imperative that we have the right attitude, right perspective when we're going through the midst of the storm. And if you could open your Bibles to James chapter 1, James gives us a great, great foundation from which we'll build off of this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1. And when you get there, you can say amen. James chapter 1, starting at verse 2, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James gives us the perspective here. The attitude that we have. In a nutshell, what James is saying that we have to, as believers, we have to learn to embrace the storms. I don't hear nobody saying amen because here's the thing. Those storms, how I'm going to embrace something when I'm going through something that it doesn't feel good. James doesn't say count it all joy when it feels good. James says count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. And here's the reality. It's not a matter of, of if the trials are going to come. The storms of life is when they're going to come. He's saying that our attitude is that we should embrace it with the understanding that God is using these storms to develop us, to build us up, to produce that steadfastness. In some of your Bibles, it says perseverance, endurance, that we're able to develop and mature into the men and women of God that God has called us to be. But it don't feel good. And see, here's the thing. I'm here to tell you this morning, Christianity, like my wife said, marriage ain't for punks. Christianity ain't for punks. Y'all going to have to go through some stuff in life. You're gonna, that's, that's no other way around. You can't run from it. You can't hide. You are going to have to go through some stuff, and it ain't going to feel good. It ain't going to feel good. Christianity ain't for punks. You know, I'm teaching Brock and Brandon uh, self-defense. And uh, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, my wife don't always agree with that. But I'm teaching the boys self-defense and how to defend themselves. And we do these different moves and, and what have you. And I'm twisting them up and I'm showing them all the wrestling moves. And we throwing hands and I'll put them in a lock. And, and, and they'll yell, mercy, dad, mercy. And I'll let them go. 
Brandon, Brandon, it doesn't take long for Brandon. As soon as I twist his arm, he doesn't have a pain threshold. It's like zero. Oh, mercy, Dad. But what Brock has started to do over the past few weeks, Brock has learned to embrace the pain. So as I'm twisting Brock's arm, and I got my foot on the small of his back, and I'm twisting his arm, I know what y'all thinking, DCF. This is what y'all going to be calling. But if you call DCF, just know that they coming to live with you. <laughs> but I'm twisting Brock's arm, and, and Brock says, oh, Dad, that feels so good. Oh, and I'm like, and I'm twisting, Dad, that feels good. Oh, twist it some more. And I was like, I said, the boy playing some kind of Jedi mind trick with me or what have you. But what Brock is doing, he's learning to endure, to embrace the storm. And that's as believers, we have to be that way. You have to learn how to have the right perspective when you're going through it. Don't start crying and, and ball up and run away. So this is what James is saying, that we ought to have the proper perspective with the understanding that God is using to, to, to build us up. How many of y'all working out right now? Usually around this time of year is New Year's resolution. The whole idea when you're working out, you're breaking those muscles down, right? You're breaking those muscles down with the idea that, that they're going to be broken down and rebuilt. And in the process, you're going to feel sore, right? It ain't going to feel good. It's not going to feel good going through and lifting those weights. So you're going to have a hard time getting back to that gym and being disciplined. But it's necessary if you're going to get in shape. And what God is expecting us spiritually to be swole, to be walking around here cut up, muscular like the bodybuilders. That's how we are to look spiritually. Now, for me, that ship has sailed in real life. I'm never going to get that. <laughs> That's done. But spiritually, I should be, we should all be swole and cut up like the bodybuilders. Amen. I don't hear enough amens back there. Y'all like, man, I don't, I don't know about that. But we are to be going through these trials with the whole idea that God is trying to develop us. So embrace it, saints. Embrace it. And you know, Brandon had his backpack and talking about some of the tools that you need uh, to prepare in case of an emergency. I want to shift gears here and turn over to Mark chapter 5. Turn to Mark chapter 5 with me. And what Mark chapter 5 will give us, some things, some real life stuff, situations, biblical situations that we'll be able to draw some things that we're able to put into that emergency kit, into that backpack. And it's a familiar passage of scripture. Um, and the text reads as follows, starting at verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well. And live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman 
who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed from her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came a rule from the ruler's house. Some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by hand, he said to her, Talitha kuma, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age and they were immediately overcome with amazement and he strictly strictly charged them to note to, that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat it's a lot going on there it is a hot, lot going on there and the first thing i want you to grab uh, uh to put into your bag is this the first thing i want you to put into your bag is when you're going through the storm, you need to go first immediately to the person that can impact your storm. And I'm going I'm to I'm count it down on three. I want you to tell me who that is. One, two, three. Jesus, don't go talking to nobody else first. Yeah, the Lord will use people to, to come alongside and support you. But the first thing that you need to do is go to Jesus. Go to the one that can impact your storm. Don't spend a whole lot of time talking to your homegirl, uh, your homeboy. You go talk to Jesus and see. But here's the thing. A lot of times we don't come to him until we're in desperate straits. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you could search all over the world. You could search for drugs. You could search for alcohol. You can go see a counselor. You can go talk to pastor and all these people. But the only one that's going to be able to influence your storm is Jesus. The only one in the word of God says that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. So you better get with it. If you want to get straight, you better go to him first. Don't spend a whole lot of time wasting 
talking to other people, but Jairus was at his wit's end. And here's the thing, you know, for a while I thought that rich people, important people didn't have problems. That's not true. Jairus was the ruler of the synagogue. He was an important man. But guess what? As pastor says, on an ordinary day, he was facing a major storm. And see, he, 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 he was facing a major storm, and he, he had probably exhausted some other avenues. The scripture doesn't give us that, but I'm surmising that when you have a sick child, you're going to do everything you can to try to get that child well. But he was at his wit's end. He said he came and fell down before Jesus, imploring Jesus, come, come, just lay your hands on him. Jesus agrees to go with them. And I don't know if you all really understand this. We got a lot of parents in here. If you ever had a child that was really, really sick, Mama Stamps, you could testify how you feel when you see that. Right? I remember when Micah was, was, was young, and we used to run her to the hospital. She's our firstborn. We used to run her to the hospital for everything. She'd break a nail. We'd go into the emergency room. Oh, man. She got a boo-boo. We'd go into the emergency room. And doctors looking at us like, what's, what's, what's wrong with you? But this time, it was serious. And we rushed her to the uh, ER, and the doctors were, the nurses were coming in, and Michael was crying, and they were trying to put the, the uh, uh, needle in her, her vein, and they couldn't get it, and they kept poking her. And she looked at me, and she said, Dad, make them stop. Man, my heart just dropped. And I was trying to hold it together. But I'm going to tell you, church, I was scared. I was scared. I was like, Lord. And then the doctor came and he started making all these uh, prognoses of what it could be and this and that. And I was like, oh, Lord, I was I was losing my mind. And Paray Kashmir, one of the old elders of the church, he called me and he gave me a spiritual slap. You know how you panicking, somebody's panicking and you got to smack them. Pow! Snap out of it. He gave me a spiritual slap. He said, brother, what's going on? And I told him, and I'm crying on the phone. Pray, say, hey, brother, hey, brother, the doctors aren't God. They don't know. They haven't even got the test results back. What are you all worked up for? What we're going to do right now, brother, is we're going to pray. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> I should have done that in the first place. We're going to pray. And we prayed. And God moved, and my daughter was healthy. We came through that storm. But I can imagine the angst and, and, and just the fear that Jairus was going through. And he didn't care. He didn't care about his position because here's the thing. You, when you, you got a sick child, I don't care how much money, you'll throw whatever, right? right? You would throw whatever it takes. He was even risking his job. You say, Brandon, where do you get that from? He was the synagogue ruler. Oftentimes, these guys were connected with the Sadducees and Pharisees. These guys were often in opposition to Jesus. They were all <laughs> hating on Jesus all the time. So if they saw this brother stepping out there seeking out Jesus, guess what? He was impacted. His standing with them was probably going to be uh, negatively hit. He didn't care about that. He didn't care. He was, he was like, man, I got a situation. I need to go to the one that could take care of this. Jesus. The text goes on to read, he agrees to go with Jairus, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him, 
and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. The next thing I want you to put into your bag is this, is that you might have to embrace being in the storm for the long haul. It's quiet up in here. You might be in your situation for the long haul. This woman was struggling with an issue of blood for 12 long years. Lonely years. Because, see, here's the thing. She couldn't really have a whole lot of contact with people because under the Jewish law, she was considered unclean. So for her to touch, so it was a pretty lonely period. Some of us have been going through a lot of challenges for years. You know, it's like, hey, and Lord, and it's not getting any better. You're like, Lord, when is this thing going to end? When am I going to come through this storm? But what I'm telling you is you're going to have to embrace the possibility of being in that storm long term. It's in God's timing that you are going to be delivered from that storm. Amen? And I know nobody doesn't like to hear that. We, we, we're like a microwave society. We want to get in, get out. Lord, do your thing. I'm done. Okay. And then sometimes we can prolong the storm. If you got a hard head, <laughs> you're not getting it. God might leave you in there a little longer. You might be up in this. Some of us like trying to figure out why we had to come out of the storm. You need to wake up. Get your stuff together. That's the things that God is asking you to do. Do it so you can move on. But there's no guarantee that your storm is going to be short. You could be in it for the long haul. The text goes on to read, And she had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. The next thing I want you to put into your bag is this. The intensity and magnitude of your storm may just increase. It may get worse. The text tells us that she spent all that she had, and guess what? Did she get better? No. It said, but rather she grew worse. It got worse. Her situation got worse. And here's the thing. As I said early, she was hit with multiple storms at this time. Here's what she was hit with. Number one, she was dealing with that ailment that she had, this blood issue. But the text tells us that now Sister Girl had financial issues. Says she spent all that she had searching for a cure. She had heard reports about Jesus and had came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she said if I can even touch the hem of his garment I will be made well and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt her body that was that she was healed of her disease and Jesus perceiving in him that power had gone out immediately turned to the crowd and said who touched me and the disciples thought he was tripping the disciples were saying, Jesus, what, what are you talking about? All these people are out here in, in this crowd. What are you talking about? Who touched you? Jesus knew who touched him. He was giving her an opportunity to step out on faith. And the text tells us, he says, and he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, 
came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She was afraid, as I said earlier, because under the Jewish law, she would have been wrong. She would have broke the law in terms of especially touching Jesus. And so she was afraid, but it says she came forward. And to her surprise, Jesus responds. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. I'm thinking, what is Jairus thinking at this point? What's going through his mind? <laughs> it's like, Jesus, what are you doing? And the words of Sweet Brown, ain't nobody got time for that. Jesus, let's go. My daughter is dying, and here it is. You messing around with this lady? Here's the thing I want you, another thing I want you to put into your bag. You might have to watch somebody else deliver from their storm before you get delivered from yours. And here's the, I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to tell them this. Don't hate, congratulate. Don't hate, congratulate. You have to rejoice with the brothers and sisters when God is moving in their life. You should be happy about that. They've been, been going through financial issues now. They got a house, car, and everything. Don't get jealous. Be encouraged by that. And here's why you should be encouraged. It's because if God can do it for them, he can definitely do it for you. He don't love them no more than he loves you, any less. So if he can do it, that's encouragement saying he can do it for them, he can do it for me. Rejoice with them. What did I say? Don't hate, congratulate. And things may get worse. The text tells us, it says, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not uh, fear, only believe. Here's the thing. You got to always stay focused on the Lord in the midst of the storm. You got to stay focused on the Lord. You got to be looking at Jesus. I don't care how hopeless the situation or circumstances are. You got to stay focused on the Lord. It could look totally impossible that, that you're going to be delivered from this thing. Lazarus was dead. This young girl is dead. God did it before. He can do it right now. Stay looking at Jesus. Don't focus. And this is what Jesus is telling Jairus. Just keep, keep looking at me, Jairus. Don't, don't pay attention to them. Keep, keep, stay focused on me. And I'm telling you, saints, this morning, some of you all are going through all kinds of challenges right now. I want to encourage you to stay focused on the Lord. Stay focused on the Lord. Turn to the person next to him and tell him, stay focused on the Lord. You got to say it emphatically. Hey, hey I, I, like y'all in some kind of school out in the suburbs, stay focused on the Lord. Stay focused on the Lord. despite what's going on around you. So Jesus is reminding Jairus, is that, says, keep looking at me, Jairus. Keep looking at me. Keep looking at me. And the text goes on to read, 
and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of Jesus. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and there was a commotion. And saw people weeping and wailing loudly. Now, we all got that family member that shows up at the funeral and going to act a fool. Everybody got, got that person in their family. If you're sitting here and you don't, you might be that person. You might be that person. I got a cousin that every time there's a funeral, she, ah, ah, leaning all over the casket, just carrying on a show. This is what's going on here. And then back then, they would have uh, p professional mourners that would come. They would pay them to come and mourn and what have you. I said, they could just hire my cousin to do that. And she would do an excellent job. And Rochelle, you don't know which cousin I'm talking about. <laughs> and y'all don't either. Because <laughs> I'm not using their names. But it was a great commotion. The situation looked hopeless. And Jesus says, he says in verse 39, and when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? Why y'all acting a fool? The child is not dead, but sleeping. It didn't make sense to them. And they start laughing at Jesus. You see, here's the deal. They were cool and understanding uh, uh, that Jesus, if the girl was sick, that Jesus could, 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 could cure her of this sickness. But to raise her from the dead, they was like, Jairus, where you get this guy from? Is this the guy you were talking about? He must have been drinking too much of the communion juice or something. Is this the guy? No, they didn't believe. So here, and here's what I want to tell you this morning, saints. Don't allow others to influence you by putting their limitations on what God can do in your life. Don't, don't allow others to speak that negativity in your life. And here's the thing. What did Jesus do? Jesus said, get to stepping. He said, and they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. This is a very sensitive thing, but there are some people that we need to get out of our life. You get out of, they can't be in your inner circle. I'm not telling you, you still love them and you pray for them, but they can't be in your inner circle because they're not like-minded. If you don't believe that God is able to do the impossible, you can't be in my inner circle. You can't be. When I'm going through the storms, I need some Bible-believing saints that's going to come alongside and encourage me and tell me that God is able to do the impossible no matter what the situation is. You don't need nobody speaking that negativity in your life. Put it in your head. And Jesus had to put them out for a couple reasons. One, he needed them, the uh, Jairus and his wife, to be able to focus. It's difficult to focus if you constantly got naysayers in your ear. Saints, I want you to do some inventory this morning of some people that you might have to say, you know what? <laughs> y'all got to get on like y'all been spit on. Yeah, yeah, I said it. I said it. You got to get on like you've been spit on. I love you, but I'm going to love you from a distance. I'm going to continue to pray for you. But you can't be where? In my inner circle. Can't be up in here. And Jesus put him out so that Jairus and his wife could focus on him. The other thing to consider is you think about Steven Spielberg 
and all the great movies he put out. I just saw Black Panther. But I tell you, don't none of that rival watching God do a miracle to raise somebody from the dead. You know how much I would pay to see that? And Jesus put him out. He said, y'all are not going to get the privilege to see me do my thing. You just canceled yourself out. Get out of here. You unbelieving roughneck jackrabbits. Get out of here. He said, hey, y'all not going to have the privilege. Man, you would man, I would have paid all kinds of money. I would give my golf clubs up. I would get a game of golfer. And you know I love my clubs. <laughs> he said, watch out. To see that, to see God do a miracle like that, they just missed the perfect, perfect opportunity here. Once in a billion years, they missed it. So, saints, we might have to look in terms of doing some inventory, some people we might have to kind of disengage with. The text tells us that taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumar, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged that no one should know and told them to give her something to eat. God showed up and showed out. He showed up and showed out. Our God majors in doing the impossible. So I don't care what you're going through, God is able to handle it. I don't care how big the storm is, God is able to handle it. As we bring this thing to a close, there was a, there was a uh, lady at Camp Sunshine, camp that I grew up at. Her name was Dorothy Ferret. She was the cook at camp. And she gave up a job at Northwestern making great money to take on a job. Pretty much she was working for free at camp. And I love me some Dorothy. And I would sit in her trailer, and me and this old white woman would have these deep talks about everything. She would challenge me. We talk about sports. We talk about politics. We talk about the word of God. We talk about sexual purity, and she would be all up in my business. I love me some Dorothy, and she was always honest with me. And one day, on the ordinary day, she developed Parkinson's. And if any of you know um, Parkinson's, anything about Parkinson's, it is a nasty disease, and it's progressive. They don't have a cure for it. And the disease progressively got worse over the years. Rochelle and I would go to Michigan. We would take her out for, for dinner, for lunch, kind of hang out, the favorite piece of spot that we used to go to, and try to encourage her. And she always enjoyed that. Then they moved her to a nursing home on the north side, Chicago. And we went out to see her. And on this particular day, I sat at her bedside. And Dorothy had the tears rolling down her face. And she was like, she was shaking because it's disease. You can't control your, your functions. And the medication wasn't really working. And as she was shaking, she said, P.I., that's what she called me, P.I. She said, P.I., I don't know why God would allow me to go through this. 
and I've served him all these years. He said, but I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. And we cried. We cried. We cried, and I said, Dorothy, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. She passed away shortly after that. I do know this, that Parkinson doesn't have her anymore. That she's whole right now. And she wouldn't turn back the clock. Probably wouldn't even change what she went through right now, where she are, being present with the Lord. I think about what you all are going through. And there may be some challenges that you are experiencing in your life right now. And you're wondering, Lord, when is it going to end? When is it going to get better? We don't know. I wish I could, we could walk out of here and go, yeah, no more storms. That's not going to happen. Because the reality is, saints, once that storm passes, another one is looming. It's coming. And it's necessary. We can't run from it. If you're here today, I want to give you the opportunity to come to just stand and I'll pray for you um, because it's difficult when you're in the midst of the storm. Sometimes you feel like you're all alone, but I want to encourage you to know that God is with you in the midst of every single storm. There was a picture in my, my grandmother's uh, living room and there was called Footprints, I think it was called. And this guy is walking on the beach, and there's two sets of footprints. And he said, man, he said, Lord, I noticed during the, the most difficult times of my life, that was only one set of footprints. He said, well, that's when I carried you. God is able to get you through the storms. So if you're going through some things this morning and you're able to stand, or if you want to put a hand up, I want to pray for you right now. Right now, I want to give you the opportunity. I want to pray for you. Father God, we're so thankful for your love, your grace, your mercy. Lord, the fact that you're in control of all things. I think about the saints that are standing, Lord. I pray that you would empower them, Lord God, that you would keep them encouraged in the midst of the storms that they would bunker down into your word, that the saints of God would come alongside and point the way to you and encourage them with the very fact that you can do the miraculous. Lord, I look forward to the testimony that they'll have as a result of going through the storms. I pray that they will have the right perspective, Lord God, that they would embrace the storms, the challenges of life because it's necessary in terms of our development to mold and shape us into the men and women of God that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen, amen. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you want to make a profession of faith and say, I want to trust Jesus, if that's you, I want to ask that you stand or wave a hand Amen. All right. In the name of Jesus, thank you.